So in a retreat like this, so many <clears throat> thoughts and moods and feelings pass through our experience. And some we hold on to and become, and some we let go of, and they just fizzle away. The ones we become, they change too. So you know, if we hold on to them or not, they kind of have the same process. They arise, they're there for a while, and then they pass. <clears throat> And it's really important to have this time of reflection to see what, what do we do with our minds? You know, where do we go? Where does our mind go to? And to see how we can, you know, is it, is it leading to a greater happiness in our, in our heart and mind, in our life? Or is it leading to greater uh, sorrow, misery, despair? And then just to, just to see, just to assess that. And you know, at the places that we're holding on and creating more suffering in our lives, whether it's holding on to self-perceptions that are negative or perceptions of others that we have a grudge with, it's recognizing how that leads to our own misery. It may or may not affect others, but it definitely will affect our, ourselves. Um, so it's really important to, to steer and guide our our intention, like I spoke about last night, and also the thoughts that arise in the mind. And what we put our attention onto. So, you know, we may find that we're just, that uh, our mind quickly goes to noticing what's wrong. And we might be sitting in meditation and then the mind wanders and then we notice and then immediately <clears throat> we're criticizing ourselves for not being able to stay with the breath or not being the right kind of person to be here. So really what we need to do is once, the, once we bring mindfulness to what's going on and we recognize our mind is wandering to feel a sense of appreciation for our own clarity and awareness. So each time, each time there's a moment of mindfulness, this is a moment where the path opens up. It doesn't matter too much what we're mindful of. I mean, in that brief moment, it doesn't matter too much what the object is, but the, 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 uh, the important thing is that there that there is mindfulness present, there's sati present. And uh, to encourage ourselves in those moments of waking up, rather than berating ourselves for the times that we've been asleep or lost in our delusions and aversions and desires. Because as long as we keep on putting attention and energy into what's wrong, I mean, like noticing what's wrong is good, but feeding it, whether that's with um, like indulging in it, uh, wanting more of it, justifying it, or feeling bad, like adding another layer of judgment, criticism on top of it, then we're just putting more and more energy into the hindrances. And if we can notice that mindful, that moment of mindfulness and and waking up and feel, feel good about it, genuinely feel good about it, then we're putting energy into awakening.
And it's, it's like, you know, if you have a dog and you call the dog and it, and it, you know, the dog's running around all over the place chewing bones and, you know, <laughs> doing the things that dogs do. And, uh, and then you call it and maybe it doesn't come for a while and you call it again and it's running around having fun and you call it again and it comes. If when it comes you beat it and tell it off, it's not going to want to come back again. So it's the same with our minds. Mind goes off, it runs around, gets involved in this and that, and that smells good, that looks interesting, and oh, get, get, get away from that. And then we remind it, hey, come here, come here. You know? <laughs> and then it comes, and then we go, oh, look at you, you're just so bad, you're useless, you're hopeless, you know? So then, why does it want to come, going to keep coming back? So when, it, when uh, we gain mindfulness again, we want to say, good, good, wonderful. Stroke, stroke. Here, have a treat, have a treat. You're doing great. And then the more we do that, the more our mind will want to come back and be present. Because there are so many interesting places for the mind to roam. And we have all this time here, you know, it can go all over the place. But when the, the mind is, when the awareness is present, is, is with, with this body, with this breath, with this presently arisen state, whatever that state is. This is the path. The path is right here. So we want to encourage our, um, our heart and mind to keep coming back to the path. And uh, we've left quite an open, spacious uh, practice. We, haven't, we tend not to teach a specific practice that everybody has to follow, you know, a particular technique. Uh, I think our experience probably was in the early days that People do what they want to do anyway. So, <laughs> and uh, this retreat is a, you know, it's for more experienced practitioners. So, uh, we've we trust that you have tools. You know, you have the tools to to apply to your to these hours of, of practice. Um, but I want to also just add a little bit about the breath. Working with the breath um, is is one of my main focuses of practice and. Uh, when I, you know, at first working with it, focusing on the breath seemed like, you know, very, a very, very, honestly boring and limited <laughs> thing to do. And that was my experience in the beginning. And uh, so, it, you know, if 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 working, if you know, it may be that you you're working with the breath and you very easily the mind collects, and there's a there's a refinement and a centeredness, and from that. You know, there's a, there's a kind of a natural progression into the practice, and if that's happening for you, that's really great. You just keep going with that, and I think it's come up in the, a couple of the talks about you know, bringing a collectedness of mind, samadhi. And it doesn't have to be deep samadhi, but enough that the mind is collected, is not wandering around all over the place. So you're giving the dog a treat, you're giving it a stroke. You, you know, you're happy here together, and. Uh, and there's collectedness of mind, and, and uh, you can stay with that and just build on that and have a very peaceful um, samadhi, which is pleasant, it's like a little holiday. Um, but most useful is to bring in the, the three characteristics, like one of or all of the three characteristics into your practice. So bringing in the, you know, contemplating the, the impermanence Impermanence with the breath. The breath is a beautiful teaching of impermanence. Uh, 
is constantly changing. The nature of breath is constant change. If it's not changing all the time, it's not breath. So, the, so the, noticing the constant flux, the constant change, the changing um, texture, the changing feelings that are related to the breath. You can notice um, also, because it is always changing, it, it's, it, it also has the message of anatta, of not-self. So within the breath, there is this teaching happening of, of anatta. So I like to think of the, the nostrils are like a little swing door. And uh, you know, the breath's coming in. And, and then there's this idea that we think if it's inside, it's me and mine. And if it's outside, it's not me, not mine. This is the, the, the confusion that we have, what we, we create. So as we breathe in, it's like my breath. And we breathe out maybe for a little while, we're kind of concerned, you know, is it okay, does it smell all right or something? <laughs> if we're in public, you know, it's like hours for a little while and then it's just gone into the, into the general space. So there's this sense of um, the internal, well, it's right present, but the internal and the external happening with the breath. So we're breathing in and or the in-breath is happening. I don't want to say we're breathing in because we don't have to do the breathing. The breathing's doing us. But as the breath enters the body, there's a sense of me, my breath. It's bringing me life energy. But it isn't me and it isn't mine. It is simply a movement of air. And then with the out-breath, like letting go. And then we don't track it. You know, We don't follow where the breath goes. It's just it's gone. So when we really look at that, that place of, of entering and leaving, internal and external, it starts to break down the uh, illusion of a separate self. So we're all sharing the breath here and we share with the plants. The plants give us oxygen. We give them carbon dioxide, which is their nourishment during the day. So that's going on all the time. So uh, as we... As we collected around the breath, we can start to sort of be interested in it, notice it in different ways. So it has the, the constant change, it has the, the message of not-self, quite, quite profoundly when we're really with it, it's profound. Because it, we just last for a few minutes without breath, like really, really not very long at all. We can last for you know, a month or so without food, if we have to. We can last probably a week or so without water, if we have to. We can last maybe an hour or f- a few hours without heat, if we have to. But without breath, we last only minutes. It's amazing. So it's, it's literally our vital force. It's, 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 it's literally vital. And we take it for granted, you know. And, uh, and it's through the, the movement, it's just through the, the, the entering and leaving, through the, through the constant change of breath, that there is life force in this body. So without that constant change, there would be no me, there would be no Ananda Bodhi, there would just be a corpse here. That's what they would be. And, and, and it's the breath, this, this constant change of something so subtle as, as air that gives the possibility for this, what we call, you know, this life force to be here. 
So it's kind of profound. It's a profound uh, teaching. They're constantly hidden, you could say, in the breath, or constantly, it's like the open secret of the breath. It's always here. It's always teaching us, and we, we miss it. So we may be thinking, oh, okay, I've got to watch the breath. Mm. <laughs> you know. And then the mind's going after all these other things. It's like, and then we're missing the, the amazing teaching that's happening right here, under our very noses, all the time. So this is uh, really uh, you know, a beautiful practice to bring this to mind. And there's also a practice that I use, it's not a classical practice, but it's a practice that I use with the breath and metta. And um, it does take a certain, uh, a little bit of a, a, a sort of belief, or, or not even belief, but it, you have to kind of imagine a little bit in order to use it, but it's uh, just just having the sense of metta being inherent just as oxygen, just as oxygen is inherent in the air, that just entertaining the possibility that metta is also, loving-kindness, benevolence, is also inherent here, always, in the space, somewhere. Even in hostile environments, it will be somewhere. And so as we breathe in, so with the in-breath, just as we're breathing in oxygen, which nourishes our body, we're breathing in metta, which nourishes our heart and our being and our cells. And as we breathe out, we're letting that metta go back, maybe, maybe it generated some more energy, and then we're letting it go back into the environment for the benefit of all beings. So that's also a beautiful practice with the breath, where we're just having the intention of bringing in metta with the in-breath and letting metta out with the out-breath. For all beings, just as when we let our breath out, we're not sort of saying, okay, I want that tree to have my breath. You know, It's just going out for the benefit of all beings that can use it. So that's also a very beautiful practice to use with the breath. And, uh, you know, if we find that uh, on the longer sits we're just kind of not sure what to do with ourselves, it's always good to come back to the breath. It's always here. It's like an anchor of our practice. And we can use it for uh, samadhi and, and strengthening the mind. And we can use it for insight. I recommend using it for both. And they really belong together, you know, the, the collectedness and the, and the insight, they, they support each other. We don't want to just focus on one or the other. They're a mutual support. So, uh, you know, what, what we put our attention on and how we apply our attention to what we find is, is uh, vital to our experience. It's, it's, uh, it makes all the difference in the world. And... Really, just want to emphasize one more time just how really important it is to, to appreciate what is good, the good, the wholesome intention that has brought you here and that's kept you here over these days. So important. And uh, someone was asking about uh, regret, you know, to speak a bit more about regret. And regret comes when we feel like we've done something, you know, lower than what we could do. We haven't really risen up. And uh, it can be something that we've done towards another or it can be towards ourselves, a sense of like, oh, 
And it's an important quality because it reminds us of our potential, it reminds us to rise up. It's not meant to be there, it's not meant to be another cause for self-flagellation. It's meant to be there to remind us, oh yeah, I, I, I regret that I did that or I didn't do that. And I really, because I know I could do better than that and I want to rise up. And so it's like a support. Regret can be a support, not guilt or shame, but uh, it can be a support for our practice. Or shame can too. So, uh, you know, if we feel regret about things of the past, it's not to indulge in them, but to use that regret as a, as a wake-up of like, well, why... Why do I feel that regret? What would I have liked to have done? How would I like to have been? How could I change that for the future? And if it's towards oneself, it's like, you know, just keep doing the same old things again and again, and then I feel regret and remorse. Well, how can I change it then so that I don't have to live with this feeling all the time of regret? And it's really important not to, not to dwell in it and... Uh, you know, create another self around it. They say that, um, you know, if you do something unwholesome and you feel regret very quickly, you know, it always feels bad when that happens. But if you, you, know, you feel like, oh, why me? Why do I have to feel that regret so quickly? But if you do, that's seen as a, as a sign of, of good practice, of good karma. Because you can put together what's done or not done and the feeling, the painful feeling that arises afterwards. So, you know, if you're feeling like, oh, I wish, you know, I should have, uh, then take that in and, and see like, oh, that's good. I'm, I'm, f- I'm feeling the re- regret of not having risen up to the degree that I know I can rise up. And so what, what do I want to do with that? Don't just get stuck there in the regret. And, uh, you know, the practice, there's particularly the, the, the subtle, simple practice is transformative. The biggest things can be transformed in a moment through just stopping and taking a breath mindfully, through having a moment of kindness towards ourselves or others. It's powerful. I've seen really huge, difficult situations transformed by just a moment's pause, just taking a moment. So we have uh, plenty of opportunity still. It's our last full day, but you know we still have plenty of opportunity to apply the practice, to to see you know how do we treat this body and mind, and to keep transforming our relationship with this this being that we this you know with ourselves that we live with day in day out. So we can practice with the breath in whichever way is most useful.
So we have the last uh, practice interview groups this morning and uh, another session of yoga for those who are doing the more gentle yoga and walking. Vigorous. Oh, vigorous. Vigorous in the morning. Okay. And um, walking meditation. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.